Welcome to the podcast of Revival Fires. This week's message by Dylan Long is entitled, A Time of Awakening, Your New Normal. We are excited about the upcoming Gates of Glory gathering from the 28th to the 30th of September with guest speakers Ken and Lewis Scott, Bill Prankard and Trevor Baker. Come and join us in Dudley. Register your place for free at revivalfires.org.uk. Thank you so much, Trevor. I love this church so much. It goes without saying, but Revival Fires is an amazing church. And I so love what God is doing in and through all of you. And it feels like family coming back. It feels like I have Grandma on the front row and Grandpa Terry. <laughs> I love them so greatly. They know that. But this morning, I just want to say thank you so much to Revival Fires for hosting us this week. It's been an incredible weekend. Just looking back, I've been so overwhelmed with God's love. And even just in worship, I was just, I was just overwhelmed with who God is. Yeah. And I was just holding my Bible saying, God, make me what this says. I want to have what this says. And so often people say, bro, you need common sense. And I'm, I just think we should leave our common sense in the offering basket. <laughs> that was a terribly lame joke, I understand. <laughs> but what I mean is this common sense won't get you to heaven. Common sense gets you to hell. Strong statement, I know, coming out the gates, you know, common sense. The gospel doesn't make sense. And that's what I love about it. Proverbs 14, 12 actually says, there's a way that seems right to a man. You know where that way leads? To death. I love it so much because the gospel is crazy to me. Like, I understand Zacharias, Jesus. What do you mean I must be born again? I can't go into my mother's womb. You know, like this guy's crazy saying I need to be born again. I understand that. That's pretty crazy that we get to be born again and become brand new. And the gospel can never become human thinking and what we think because that's what's happening in the church as a large. I just want to start this morning by saying to the Revival Fires family, please stay in the word, stay rooted. And I know Trevor would do that. There's an attack from the enemy that's taking people out of the word of God. And there's beliefs coming into the church. And one of the main ones is that there's no hell. And I'll hit on this morning in front of everyone for this reason. I believe when God gives me a pulpit, it's for a reason and a mic for a reason. And hell is very real, just like heaven is very real. And Hebrews 5 is very clear on the fact that only those who confess Jesus and obey Him will have eternal life. And I want you to know that today, that human sentiment might come in and say, well then, why would a loving God send people to hell? And all these things come into our mind, but we need to stay rooted to the gospel is better than human sentiment. Jesus doesn't send people to hell. People make a choice to go there. Hell is a door locked from the inside. Hell is a door locked from the inside. They have the option for salvation. They choose not to have it. And God's not going to let sin into His holy house with His holy children in heaven. Amen? So that's just what I want to start with this morning. Please stay rooted in the Word of God. And I believe today as I share, Ryan during um, worship, he said, this is the new normal life. And I believe that's something that God's really called me to equip the church and what is the normal life what is a normal Christian life? And almost bringing it back to what real Christianity is. So that's my heart for you today is that as I share, we'll really be brought back to what is the normal Christian life? What does it look like? Is it church attendance? Is it prayer? Is it going to a Wednesday night service? Is it preaching the gospel? Is it loving the lost? What is it? What does it look like? And I'm going to start off in a second with reading a verse. How many of you, this is your first time hearing me speak? Lift your hand up. First time. Okay, good. Good. Some first-timers. 
Not very many, but that's good. I'm going to start off, I'm going to start off um, reading a verse out of 1 John. If you've been here during the week, you've heard me read out of it before. And I feel a lot like John, like my life and where I'm at right now. I feel like me and John would be friends, even though when John is writing 1 John, he's 90 years old. And we would be friends, but it's like that grandpa, little guy friendship, you know. But so John... If you don't know anything about John, he was one of the 12 disciples that walked and did life with Jesus. And all 12 of the disciples walked with Jesus for three and a half years, roughly, three to three and a half years. And John got to see Jesus do life. Everything he did, John got to be a part of. Pretty crazy experience. I was sharing the other day in the school. I don't know if I would have wanted to be one of the 12 or if I wanted to have just been able to watch the 12. Because Jesus is like God. He's God in the flesh, completely God, completely man. And then he's like rebuking his disciples. You know, like, how long should I bear with you, you faithless generation? I'm like, I would be quite hurt if God was saying that to me. If Jesus was saying that to me. So you can imagine John, he's seen Jesus do life. He's seen literally God come to earth and do life with him for three years. He's seen what Christianity is supposed to look like. He's seen Christianity modeled what true love looks like because God is love. God was Jesus. They're one, but they're two. So he comes down and he's perfect love and he sees us illustrated. And he goes on. And when John's writing this, it's 85 to 95 years after the death of Jesus. You all with me still? And he's writing this, he's writing this book back to the church, back to the church of Christ, to the believers of Jesus. And it's almost like after the 80 years, he's seen all these belief systems come into the body of Christ. He's seen these lifestyles come in. He's seen things come into the church. And he's like, but... I saw Jesus live and that's not what he did. And he's seen all this stuff happen. And I've been in the church most of my life and I've seen lots of belief systems come, lots of things go. I've seen people doing things and be like, I don't really see that in the Bible. I don't really read that in my Bible. What's going on here? What's happening there? I don't know where they get that belief system from. And these things come and go from the church. And I feel like John is this grandpa. He's roughly 100 years old at this point. And I picture a man with a gray beard, you know, writing this next to the window, drinking a cup of tea, you know what I mean, reflecting on his life. And this is what he's saying back to the church. And I feel like this is what God wants me to bring back to the church as well today to you. So the verse we're going to read is 1 John 2, and we're going to pick up in verse 6. And this is what it says. He... Who says he abides in him, talking about God, talking about Jesus. He who says he abides in him, ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Some of the other translations say, ought to love just as he loved, or ought to live just as he lived. And I want to say today, church, if we're going to say we abide in him, there's a responsibility for each one of us to live a life just like Jesus lived. And that's what we're going to talk about. There's just bow our heads and close our eyes. God, I thank you this morning that you're here, that you're present, that you're touching people. That you love each one of us so much, God. And that you loved us enough that when we were still in sin, you came and died for us. And you aren't waiting for us to be perfect people to encounter your love. But you encounter us with your love and that changes us into your image, God. And I ask that you'd have your way here this morning. And for the last time, we all agree, God, that man, you would win the Barclays Premier League. And all of God's people said... And all of God's people said, oh, it's a little bit better, but just pray with me. I shared the other day, if you don't support anyone, jump on the bandwagon. You God's child, you deserve the best. You can support Man U, the best team. Amen. Okay, that's enough about soccer for right now. 
F- football, sorry, bro. Soccer. Okay. So I want to talk a little bit about, to begin with, my 21st birthday. That was only a year ago. I'm 22 at the moment. So a little bit about my, 20, my 21st birthday. I was living in Redding, California, which is three hours north of San Francisco. It's where Bill Johnson, Chris Vallotton, they are the head pastors. And it's just an amazing church. And God is doing so much through the church in the city and all over the world, honestly. And I remember I was flying out. My birthday is the 13th of June, and it was the 12th of June, and for some reason I booked my flights home from Reading to South Africa, arriving on my birthday. 21st birthday, that's a big birthday party, especially in America, because you can finally drink. Not that I was worried about that, but your 21st should be one of your bigger parties. I don't know how that is here in England, but the 21st is like your big party. But for some reason I was flying home that day. So my friend's driving me down to Sacramento. It's about a two-hour drive. We're in the car. And he's like, bro, I'm going to treat you to something. And really, it was a treat. There's these things in America now they're serving. It's a donut ice cream sandwich. Now, it sounds amazing, and the first bite is amazing. But you feel terrible afterwards. But the first bite is worth the feeling terrible. I promise. It's literally a donut. You choose your ice cream. They put it in a hot press for 10 seconds. And, and, and then they give it to you. It, it's pretty life-changing. So, I mean, no, I'm just being honest. When that wave hits Europe, you've got to try it at least once. You'll feel sick. Months later, you'll forget about how sick you felt, and you'll go and get another one. I've been, I've been tricked into it before. But, so, we get this ice cream sandwich. We're on our way to the airport. And I'm supposed to fly from Sacramento to Zurich and see some of my best friends in Zurich. One of them is Ben Fitzgerald and Yvonne. I'm supposed to fly to Zurich and then to Johannesburg. And the flights are long already. Both the flights are 8 to 10 hours. So it's quite long flights, two in a row, a little layover in Zurich. And, you know, I get my ice cream sandwich. I'm feeling pretty good, you know. It's the day before my 21st birthday. I rock up into Sacramento Airport. I have my flying status. I'm in the quick line. You feel like a boss, you know. You're in the quick line. You're skipping the lines. There I am, you know. I have my status, boom, in the line. I skip these, I was going to say hundreds, but that's a bit of like an evangelist number. It was probably 10 or 20 people, but (laughs) I skipped them. I skipped them on the way in. And I walk up to the front and I'm like, hey, yeah, he's like, how are you doing? I'm like, no, great, it's my birthday tomorrow. You have to try for an upgrade. If you guys travel, like, you're trying anything, you know? I've seen people try to wear the blazers to get upgraded to, like, business class. I've seen it all. So I'm like, it's my birthday tomorrow. They're like, okay, well, because of your status, you can have exit row, you can have a window. It's going great. Then suddenly they're like, well, actually, um, your flight's been postponed. And I'm like, uh-oh. Lord, not today. Tell the devil not today. I was like... God, I'm arriving home on my birthday to see my family in South Africa. I'm not getting postponed. And I'm like, listen, I need a connecting flight. I'm not getting postponed. We need to make something happen today. It's my birthday. Don't forget it. You know, just the spirit of entitlement comes upon me. It's my birthday. So now the guy's kicking. He makes a plan. Okay, we'll fly you to San Francisco. San Francisco is about a half an hour drive from Sacramento. It would have been quicker to drive there. And then he's like, okay, so then from San Francisco, we're going to fly you to London, to Heathrow. And then we're going to fly you to Zurich. They're both in Europe. And then we're going to fly you to Johannesburg. And then you can fly one more flight home to George. And you'll get home at the same time. So I'm like, oh, 
Okay, Lord, I still want to get home on my birthday. I need to get home on my birthday. I want to see my family. And the whole time I'm just thinking, I want to get home on my birthday, Lord. This is what it's going to be like. I'm excited. So I, I get on the plane the whole time. I'm just thinking, I could be driving there. I would have been there by now. <laughs> my friend had already dropped me off. So we fly into San Fran. The San Fran, it's a mad rush to, yeah. to, to like get onto this international plane. I have a short layover. I think it was like 20 minutes from when I landed to when the gates closed. And San Fran's a huge airport. So there I am running, like the sweat's coming off, and I'm like, I haven't eaten in a while. It's a 10-hour flight. They never feed me enough on planes. I don't know about any of the bigger guys. Yeah, I don't get fed enough on planes. So I'm like, I need more food. So I stop at this place. I grab a quick snack, and like, I'm running to the gate, down the escalator, sweating. It's hot. I get to the, I get to the thing, and I'm walking through, and they're like, Mr. Long, we were just calling you. You just made it with 60 seconds to spare. And I'm like, so, give them my ticket, look at the passport, yeah. I always smile awkwardly at the passport things, you know, because they grab, but you just like, you just smile at them. So I walk through, and as I'm walking onto the thing that walks you onto the plane, I check my back pocket, my wallet's not in my pocket. <laughs> you can't make this up. So now I'm like, okay. So like in this quick second, I'm like, I either miss the plane or I leave my wallet. Then I leave all my bank cards and my driver's license. What's worse? And I'm like, okay, um, my bank cards upstairs. I'm going to be back. They're like, Mr. Long, you have 60 seconds. So I'm literally like running up the escalator. Luck luckily, it was like right there. So I get into the escalator. They're like, oh, here's your wallet. I get, I get back into the plane just in time. Praise God. The person sitting next to me, I'm like sweating. Like, hey, how are you doing? You get to sit next to me for this 10-hour flight. So... So we go, and the, the time in Heathrow is pretty terrible because you have this jet lag. You've been traveling, it's the wrong time. It's like 9 in the morning, or like it was, I think it was 2 in the afternoon, which means that it's like 5 in the morning and where I was coming from. So I'm just like walking around, getting Cafe Neuro, getting Costa, anything to just keep me going. And I get into Zurich, and my friends are waiting there. It's a short hour flight, and I literally look like a zombie. It's just like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know where I am. I haven't slept well. I'm still waiting. It's still my birthday. I'm trying to celebrate. They're trying to buy me this Indian curry. Nothing's, I'm just not excited. I like Indian, so that was good. I remember the curry. It was good. So then eventually I fly back to Johannesburg, another 10-hour flight, and that's just terrible again. This woman next to me, was. we got to preach the gospel to her, but sometimes just, it was just a long flight. And I get to... <laughs> I get to Johannesburg and it's just, it's getting worse. I'm like, hey, I need to, like, this lounge, I need to come into it. Listen, it's my birthday. Well, actually, you can't come into this lounge on the ticket you have. So the African Airways was messing around. I couldn't get into the lounge. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, God, this is my birthday. <coughs> this is nothing how I expected it to be. So I get home and I get into George Airport. It's a small little airport in the middle of nowhere. And I, I'm walking through the things, got my bag. And I see my sister and my dad waiting outside. My mom doesn't do well at the airport. She cries. So we're like, I'll come home. You can cry at home. We can have a moment. It's great. Not at the airport. So she waits at home. My sister comes in. And sisters being sisters, she's carrying a Disney helium balloon. Disney. I'm 21. I'm not a child. I don't do Disney. But she knows it'll embarrass me. So that's why this Disney balloon is there. It's the only reason. You can ask her why it was there. Embarrass you. No other reason, no other need for it. But I, I got home and it was just such a special time with my family. But the reason I tell you that is all because often in life I feel like when we, 
if we don't know what we're living for, if we don't have a perspective that what we're moving towards, when things go wrong, we won't know how to react. And what I mean is this, the goal in your Christian life, just like my goal was to be home with my family for my birthday, the goal in your Christian life is not to get to heaven one day, it's for that Jesus would live through you every day. That heaven would come through you every day. And the thing is this, do you ever feel like things are going wrong in your life? Not another delay, Lord. I don't want another delay. I don't want you to reroute me. This isn't how I expected my journey to be, God. When I set out for my journey, when I was having that ice cream donut puff, I didn't expect my journey to be like that. But see, if we have a Christian mindset of, God, my journey is to get to heaven, when things go wrong, we'll become a victim because we're just waiting it out to get to heaven. Instead of saying, God, I believe you'll make all things work together for my good. I believe that everything will come back together. I still got home in the right time. I still got where I needed to be. So when things go wrong in your life, do you ever feel like God's redirecting you? Where you're like, God, when I got on this journey, I didn't think that it was going to be like this to get there. I didn't think things would go wrong. I didn't think I'd get delayed. I didn't think I'd get rerouted. I didn't think these things would happen in my life. And I want to tell us today, the goal of your Christian life, the end of your journey is not heaven, but the end of your journey is Jesus living through you now. Because when we say, okay, the goal of my Christian life is that one day I'll get to heaven, we become survivors on earth, surviving to one day get into freedom. Instead of saying, Jesus, I want freedom to move through me, I want you to move through me every day. I want your kingdom to come through me. So our goal has to change. My life doesn't look 100% like Jesus yet. But I know where I'm going. Every day I wake up and I say, God, he who says he abides in you ought to live just as you lived. I want my life to live as you. See, the destination of my journey is living a life just like Jesus lived. And when we understand it, when things go wrong, we know that God is doing it and he's going to make it work together for your good. He's not taking away from you. He's not slowing you down. I still got to where I needed to be and you'll still get to where you needed to be. But you need to have the realization when something goes wrong in your life, God will still make it work together for your good. Everything that goes wrong in your life. John 10, 10 says, the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. The enemy steal, kill and destroy. If something's killed, stolen or destroyed, it's not God. It can't be God. It's a very unbiblical belief when people think that God killed someone, God stole from someone, God destroyed someone. It's just not biblical. God came to give life and life abundantly. And the Bible even says this ridiculous statement, which is almost too much to comprehend with our minds. And sometimes I try to meditate on it, and it's just too much. And it's Romans 8.28, where He will make all things work together for your good. That means any attack the enemy makes on your life, God will turn it around for your good. I don't understand how He does it, but He's God. When things go wrong, when that delay happens, when, when you get rerouted in your life, something goes wrong, it wasn't God that rerouted you, but Jesus says, I'm going to make work together for your good. Because he makes work together for your good doesn't mean that he's the one that sent it. There's a big difference. The enemy attacks, but no matter how he attacks, God says it's still going to work out for your good. The things you've been through, God won't waste them. Every time you've been rerouted or delayed on your journey of your life, God will not waste it. He'll work together for your good. You'll get where you need to be and you'll be stronger and you'll be more enjoyable. You'll enjoy life more once you get to your destination because you know what you've been through and you know that you're ready to have what God has in store for you. Are you with me? God has you on a journey, but He wants you to know that the end goal of your Christian journey is that Jesus would live through you and it can start happening today. And we just need to be all right with being on the journey of saying, God, I want to be used by you. I want you to live through me. Galatians 2.20 says, I no longer live, but Jesus lives in me. 
the Christian life cannot be church attendance. So I love church attendance and I attend church more than any of you probably, honestly. Or maybe Trevor would have me quite beat there. But it's like I'm in church most days, most weekends, in churches all over the world. I love churches and they're important because we are family. What I'm saying is this, that's not the goal of Christianity. That cannot be the goal. That is not the goal that you would attend church. God is not waiting in heaven with a church attendance list, seeing how many churches yeah. you attended to see whether you're right with Him. He's saying, are you faithful with what He's done for you and in you? And are you going to use what you have to give out the gospel every day? Yeah. See, because if Jesus wanted you to get to heaven through the cross, if that was the only goal, you would have just been sucked up instantly. Yeah. Why are we still here? Why aren't you just in heaven? He could do that. You can read the Old Testament. It's happened. He could have just sucked you up if that was the goal. But there's more than that to the, the cross. Yeah. See, when you experience the cross, you get to lead other people into an experience with the cross. And I believe here today that even many of you here, you understand Jesus as the healer. And you understand him for who he is. And you have a very good understanding of what God's done for you and what he's able to do. And I want to read a story to you out of um, the book of Mark. And it's, it's out, of the, out of chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 1. The story is actually in three of the synoptic gospels. It's also in um, Matthew and it's also in Luke. And you can read it there. John leaves it out of his book for some reason. But the other three um, authors write about it. And it's just such an amazing story. And we're just going to pick up in verse 1. And it says, And again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together, so that there was no longer room to receive him, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. First lesson, if you preach the word, people will gather to you. We need to be preaching the accurate word of God, because Jesus is just preaching the word, and the house is too full for anyone else to even come in just through him preaching the word. Because the word is alive and it draws people in and it come, makes people come to the Father. He draws them to himself. So he's preaching here. And it's actually interesting. What you preach, you will see in your life. What you preach to people, they will encounter. You can see it in Mark 16. It says, they went out and preached the word. And it was accompanied with signs and wonders. The Holy Spirit accompanied it with signs and wonders. If you preach Jesus as the healer on the streets, he will heal people. The Holy Spirit confirms your word. Bang. And it happens. You preach him as the, as the Savior, he'll save people, he'll encounter them with that love. What you're preaching, the Holy Spirit will encounter. So I want to tell you today, what, be aware of what you're preaching to people and preach the truth to them. The Holy Spirit will back you up. But you have to take the first step out and say, I'm going to preach it and then he's going to back it up. He's not going to come first and then I can preach it. Are you willing to step out and preach it and allow him to come and back it up in your life? That's the first thing. Then we go on to verse 3. And then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when, they could, um, and when they could not come near him because of the crowd. See, this is the thing. They could not come near him because of the crowd. Most of us have heard the story. If you've been in church any time at all. And the thing with that is, it's amazing because we get taught in Sunday school. But the problem is, it becomes too normal to us. It becomes just a Bible story. Maybe you even watched a video. Maybe they spoke about in Veggie Tales when you were growing up. But this is a real story. These guys, I imagine it's four men carrying this paralytic man. And they, okay, they hear the gospel being preached. They see what's happening. They see Jesus. They understand that Jesus is all that this man needs. 
They have an understanding that God is the healer and he's the savior. So they're carrying up and they see the house is too full. How many of us would have turned around and walked away that day and said it's not possible? How many of us would have said, you know what, there's people there. If God wanted it to happen, he would have made a way. I've done that before. If God wanted that person to be healed, he would have made a way. If God wanted to use me, he would make a way. There wouldn't be this many people here. It would be easy for me to get in. But these guys show us what it looks like to be hungry for more of God. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. You see, they uncovered the roof. It's such a simple... I just love how these guys... You have to understand, Mark and them are like 18, 17, 16. How they just like tell the story. For them, it's normal. They uncovered the roof. Luke says they untiled and broke the roof. So it's not like, oh, well, let's just take some thatch off and let the man through. They're breaking a hole through the roof. You can imagine it, Jesus. And you guys need to be saved. I am the bread of life. And they're like... The rapture, he's coming. No, I'm joking. He hadn't even gone yet, so he can't come back. But they're like, what's happening? And suddenly this man comes to, can you guys pick, it's crazy. I would be like, this is my house. What are you doing? You don't break my house. You're paying for that. Hey, you four that are carrying him, you're paying for it. Are you guys with me? Like, it's a real story. And they actually break the man's roof. They break, they, un- they rip back the tiles and throw this paralytic man through. It wasn't like a nice police system. They came up with it in the moment. They probably dropped him half the way. I don't know about you. When you're going out, just in your daily day, you aren't carrying a police system around with you. You know, to lower someone down. This man just comes ascending through bang. Jesus, there's a paralytic man. Just falls in front of them. And the story goes on that um, uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the man paralytic um, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. And he goes on, the people say, Well, why are you saying your, your sins are forgiven? And he says, Well, it's, what's easier for me to say your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? And the man stands up and walks. But I want to challenge us today because a lot of us understand who Jesus is. We understand he's the healer. We understand he's the one that everyone wants. But when we see something that's not lining up and we see obstacles, we turn away and we walk away from it. And we say, you know what, I know that God could heal that person, but he didn't, but I'm just going to walk and that's fine. But I want to say, let's be hungry, let's break down the roofs in your lives. If you have roofs that are holding you back from leading people into an encounter with Jesus, we need to break them down today. Things that are stopping us from leading people into that encounter with God, things that we say, well, God is the healer, then there's things that stop us from leading people to the healer. If there's roofs in your life, today's the day they come down. Some of us have the roof of the fear of man where we say, well, God, you wouldn't have created me with fear and we walk away and these people this paralytic man the people that are hurting in your neighborhood they have to turn and walk away with you because you aren't willing to bring them into an encounter with God I don't want people to walk away with me because I'm not willing to break down the walls and the roofs in my life I want to break down every roof I have so every person that I bring with me can come to an encounter with God and when they meet me they encounter him because I'm saying come with me I know someone who can save you I'm not perfect but I know someone who is but we can't have these roofs in our lives, these excuses in our lives. I'm shy. It's not who I am. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm not going to preach. It's not who I am. I'm an apostle. I'm a prophet. They're all roofs that we've made lies. And because of those lies, other people are walking away with us. And they aren't experiencing Jesus and what he's able to do. Yeah. Would you be willing to break down those roofs in your life? 
the things that have been stopping you from leading people into an encounter with the king. Because every day there's broken and hurting people in Dudley that are waiting for you to say, come with me to Jesus. And you'll meet these roofs, you'll meet the people, and you'll be like, how do I get them to the encounter? And you're going to say, even though the fear of man's coming up, even though these roofs are coming up, I'm going to break through and bring them into an encounter with God. We have to get over the roofs in our lives and bring people into that love encounter with God of saying, you know what, even if I pray for 100 people and they don't get healed, the 101st will. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to let any roof stop me because I want people to encounter the true love of God. I want people to encounter the freedom. I want people to encounter salvation, healing, and I want to lead them into that encounter. I have the privilege and you have the privilege of leading people into an encounter with God every day. If you're willing to say, even though not everything's perfect, I'm going to make a way for them to experience what he paid for on the cross. Amen? Andy, say amen, bro. I need you now. Uh, Thank you. I brought my own encouragement because I didn't feel like... I felt like I deserved a better amen there, but that's fine. Margie, can I have an amen? Thank you. Go for it. Well, I'm working up a sweat, but it's not worth the amens. I'm, no, I'm, jo- I'm joking. It was a joke. It was a joke. I, I love it. And I know this word's from God because he, he spoke it to me. I had something else planned, but he just spoke this during worship, and it really is true. God wants to use you to bring people to his Father. Jesus wants to use you to bring people to God. And there will be things that will stand in your way. The fear of man, it might not be comfortable, it might not be easy, but I guarantee you it wasn't comfortable or easy for them to break down a roof of some other man's house and drop down a paralytic. But was it worth it? It was worth it for them. And I believe that there's roofs in your life that you might, and God's revealing to you now, what are the things that have been stopping you from leading people into an encounter with God? Maybe it's excuses. Maybe you just didn't know that you were supposed to do it. I didn't know. Most of my Christian life, I was supposed to share the gospel. So I'd never be angry at anyone. But I've, now it's your choice. Would you break down the roofs? Would you rip back the tiles? And say, you know what? Because when, when you have the fear and you walk away from people, you're walking away from, you're walking away from that encounter with them. They don't encounter God. They don't encounter Him either. And I don't believe that's your heart, but I, I believe God's highlighted those areas. And now it's... Now the ball's in your court. You know? Now it's in your court. You know Jesus is the healer. You know what he's able to do. But the thing is, will you be willing to do whatever you can to lead them into an encounter, even when things go wrong? Would you be willing to live a life like Jesus lived? And the good thing is, even if you've been disobedient in the past, there's good news for you. Jesus is merciful, and he loves you. And I want to finish with one more story. Tonight, today's message won't be long. If you've heard me preach, I'm not normally long. Normally half an hour, 45 minutes. And my, my goal normally is that your life would be changed by the Holy Spirit touching you and by the Word touching you. And because I don't want us to have good sermons, but I want us tomorrow morning for our lives to be changed. That your workplace is changed to what you hear today. Because if you dread Monday mornings, if you wake up saying, oh, I have to go to work again, the weekend's over. That's not how we should be. The world is like that. Christians, you wake up on a Monday morning, you're excited because you get to bring people, you get to bring the paralytics to an encounter with Jesus in your workplace. God has you in your workplace not for finances. Amen. He has you there to to lead people into an encounter. That's the only reason He has you in your workplace. And He's teaching you things. It's all a part of the journey. But 
That's my goal, that tomorrow morning you would touch people. And for the rest of your lives, you'd keep touching people. And it wouldn't be a once-off week school evangelism. You wouldn't have to wait till the next outreach. But everywhere you go, when the fear of man comes up, you'd be obedient to God. When he tells you to touch someone, you'd be obedient. And that's my goal. And I want to tell you just about a man named Jonah. If you were in child's church, you've heard of Jonah. You know, it's like the child's church, like, if there was a movie for children's church, it would be about Jonah. It's just such a cool story. Well... Unless you're Jonah. For everybody else, cool story. You know? Actually, living in a whale might be alright. Would it be? I don't know. I have no experience in this. Okay, Jonah chapter 1. Bring it back in. Let's go. Chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of... You got it. Saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry out against it, for the wickedness has come up before me. It's like... Jonah, go to Nineveh and cry out for me. It's awesome. The call of God comes, you know. Kind of like Mark 16. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. Let's see what Jonah did. But Jonah arose and he fleed to Tarnish. He went the other way and he avoided God's presence. And it's similar to the Great Commission. We hear, go into all the world and most of us go home or to church. You know, go out there. And I'm not judging anyone. It was me. So don't take it in a harsh thing. I'm talking to where I used to live. But it's like, I've heard red go into all the world. And I'm like, I'm happy in church. Here, I'm happy. I'll speak to any person here. Happily, Jesus, no problem. I'll even go home if I have to. You know, like, that's fine. Wednesday night Bible study, I'm there. Don't stretch me too much and send me to Monday morning prayer. But I'm here for you. You know, let's do this. And that's Jody. He's like, peace out. I'm gone. And long story short, he gets eaten by a whale. Great story if you want to read it. And he comes out of the whale. But the amazing thing is that in verse 3, I mean chapter 3, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah for a second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh for that great city and preach it, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh. So he goes, and the second time he's just obedient to God and what God's told him to do. And the outcome of that, historians think, think that Nineveh had um, a population of 600,000 people. And the story goes that in one day, from the king down to the poorest people on the street, every person repented. In one day, every person turned from wickedness. And I believe that's the call for the church here today, that even if before you've heard go and you've gone home or you've gone to the church, God's saying it's the second time He's telling you today, go into the world, preach the gospel, and Dudley can be saved if you're just willing to go. He's not angry that you haven't gone. He's saying go for a second time. Let's see the city transformed. There's no more excuses. Even if you had excuses in the past, God's the, God's the God of second chances. The God of new beginnings. He gives you a brand new life. He's so merciful, but I believe today it's the second time for you to hear, go into all the world. Go into Dudley and preach every day, everywhere you go. God wants to use you to lead people into an encounter. Will you be obedient like he was obedient? Because he was obedient. All he had to do was preach a message of repentance, and the whole city was saved. A whole city. And through repentance, you don't even, you get to preach love, reconciliation. Jesus wasn't even gone to the cross and a whole city was saved. We get to say, Jesus loves you. He died for you. He has a plan for you. Come to the church. Come be a part of our family. Come to Jesus. Have a new life. And it's this gospel that people want. And through that, I believe that today is a second chance for you to go out into the world and see this nation saved, see the city changed. God wants to use you. The time's over of just praying for God to touch your city and not going out and doing it. We need both. They're both so vitally important. And God wants to use you. 
Just as much as you want him to save your city, he says, you go and do it. I've given you everything you need. Everything you would ever need, I've given to you. All I'm waiting is for you to bring people into an encounter with me. Would you be willing to be my hands and feet? Would you be willing to go out into the world and love the unexpecting people? And I'm not just talking about poor people. We have this conception, and, and it's human sentiment, honestly. It's our human minds, and it's the, way, it's the way sometimes we think, but it's definitely not the mind of Christ. And it's like in Luke 16, there's this very wealthy man who has a seamless garment that's purple, and the color purple represents royalty in the Bible. So he's a royal man dressed in purple, and the story goes there's a man that sits outside the gate named Lazarus who has sores. His, the rich man's dogs come and lick his sores. Um, and he eats the crumbs off the rich man's table, and they both die. And the poor man goes to heaven, and the rich man goes to hell. But how many of us, how many times would I have stopped for Lazarus, the poor man, said, what can I do for you? Because I feel this compassion. Lazarus, what can I do for you? Where the, where the rich man in his business suit is right there, he's the one going to hell if he dies. Lazarus, what can I do? Human sentiment. Lazarus, I need to help you. The rich man needs Jesus more than Lazarus does in that moment. But our minds, and it's human sentiment. We need to get over that. The rich men in your town need Jesus just as much as the poor men. And just because they put on a better mask doesn't mean they're better internally. I promise you, you speak to a rich man in a business suit, he will break just like a poor man will when the gospel hits him. Because so many times they're cheating on their wives, they have bad relationships, and no one's willing just because they put this mask on, it tricks all of us. Oh, their life looks great. Their life's not good. Their eternity is even worse. So would we be able to say, God, I want to see people how you see people for their eternity, because for me, I would never share the gospel, ever. I never shared it growing up, all of my Christian life, and I'll, I'll end with this. I think I said that about Jonah, you know, like a preacher. Just bring it in, bring it in. Um, I'll end with this. So I, I lived my whole Christian life in the church. Well, most of my actual life was, was in the church. I have amazing parents, really amazing. I love them greatly. Brian and Cheryl Long, they still live in um, South Africa. I have an amazing sister, four years older than me, as you know, from the balloons. Unfortunately, <laughs> no, I'm joking. But um, I had this experience when I moved out. To Redding, California. I moved out there when I was 18, and this experience happened when I was 19. And God put these people in my life that began to preach the gospel everywhere we would go. They just began to share their faith, tell people about the Lord. They were getting words of knowledge, and they would never turn to me and say, Hey, like, you aren't a good Christian, you aren't doing this. But as I was reading the word, I just thought, Jesus, you used to do this. I want to do this. I believe it's a normal Christian life. I was extremely shy. I didn't want to speak to people. It wasn't who I was. I had all the excuses. I just didn't want to do it. And then, but I knew I was supposed to for some reason. I just knew. I was like, God, I know I'm supposed to. So I would get in my, in my little cupboard in my room, and I lived with seven other guys, so it was hard to find alone time. So I'd literally walk into my clothing cupboard, close the door, lie under my clothes, and I would just get in there for two hours in the morning with my tea, my PG tips, I actually like PG tips. Shout out England. Don't buy me any though. I don't need any. Sometimes when you say that people buy you, I don't need any PG tips. Thank you. But, but so we, I would pray and then I'd say, God, put a fire in my heart for souls. I want to preach the gospel. I want to share my faith. I don't want to live this life of being an undercover Christian. 
I'm like an undercover agent, you know. No one can know what I do on a Sunday morning. And then you go into, into work. No one can know what you did. No one can know what you believe. And God, I don't want to be an undercover agent. I want you to blow on the fire in my heart for souls. I want to see people, I want to see people saved. So I had this great prayer life, but I, there was no action yet. It was great. You know. God, put a fire in my heart for souls. And it was about two weeks I would cry, cry out to God. And one day I remember God asking me a question. And my life changed at this one simple question that he asked me. Because it changed my, my perspective and my priorities in my life. And from this one question that he asked me, advanced three months from that question, I was taking people out in the streets every day. I made a commitment to God. I'd preach every day on the streets. And I was just healing healings. I was going into some of the worst neighborhoods, just sharing the gospel. Three months after this question, fast forward two years, I'm leading an outreach with 10,000 people on the streets. And, and God's doing these amazing things with, with outreach and seeing that um, cities touched. And it all started with this one question that God asked me. And if you come next time I come, I'll tell you the question. I'm going to close there. No, I, I, I'm, I'm joking. But, but it was all this one question God asked me changed everything for me. It changed my perspective. And this is what God asked me. He said, what's more important to you? Your fear of man or other people's eternity? What's more important to you? Your fear of man or other people's eternity? And it just gave me this mindset of God every day. I get to bring people into encounter with you that changes their eternity. When I go to the mall, the people walking past me, and I feel my heart say, I need to speak to them. I feel the Holy Spirit leading me. In the past, where I'd say, God, I don't want to speak to them. Suddenly I realized that if I just said, hey, and took the step of faith to stop them, that, that's, that that power, when I, when I come together with God and the Holy Spirit, that I can literally see their eternity changed. That if they were to die that night, they would have been going to hell. But now after just stepping out and saying, hey, God loves you, and them accepting His love, their eternity has changed. And all that was stopping me was the priority in my life was the fear of man. And I just had to make that change. And I believe that many of you have the opportunity to make that change today. Can you guys stand for me? And maybe the worship team can come back up. And we are going to pray for all of you here in a second. We're going to do a fire tunnel of just freedom and fire. That if you need freedom from the fear of man, you'd get set free. But you'd also get baptized in fire. But I want to charge you today as Revival Fires Church that we would go out and live out the gospel. They would make a choice that my journey is to live a life like Jesus lived. And every day I'm going to say I'm going to step out more to look more like Jesus. And the Holy Spirit will help you. But you just have to say, God, I want my life to look like Jesus. I'm going to take every roof off of my life. Even in the past, if I've run away from your word, saying, God, and preach the gospel. The second time around, I'm not running away. This time I'm going into the world to preach the gospel. And my prayer for this church is that Trevor texts me in six months and says, you know what, we have to have two services on a Sunday morning. And that's not just hype. I don't say that with just hype. Like, oh, well, that sounds good. You know what I mean? I believe that. If you can take, take hold of this message and grasp the gospel, I believe that this church can grow and the city can be saved. Because we've seen it happen before here. A whole city, 600,000 people saved in a day. So I want you to take charge of that. Will you put people's eternity above the fear of man in your life? Would you go into Dudley and see souls saved? Would you lay down your life? Would you get rejected 10 times, 20 times, but keep going? Not let any roof hold you back. 
Even if people treat you badly on the street, not at any roof, don't put up any roofs, but keep bringing people to an encounter with Jesus. Keep breaking through the tiles. Keep breaking down the roofs. Keep saying, God, my journey is not in heaven, but to live like Jesus lived. And today I want to live more like Jesus than I did yesterday. I want to be someone that has a walking encounter with your love, God. Do you want to be a walking encounter with God's love? I want each one of you to walk out to people and they encounter God's love through you. That people encounter God's love through your life. So as we do a fire tunnel, myself, Trevor, some of the Revival Fires team, and as well as my team from Awakening Europe, Sarah and David, aren't you guys thankful for them? They've really blessed the conference this week. Thank you guys so much. We're going to... We're going to just have a fire tunnel. If you want to come through, basically a fire tunnel is just when you come through, we're just going to lay hands on you because the Bible speaks about impartation through the laying on of hands. And it actually in the book of Acts, boldness fell upon them when the Holy Spirit came. So I believe there that if you have fear in your life, you can get free and then you can get baptized in boldness and leave this place free of fear and bolder than ever before. Do you guys believe that? Amen. So just begin to worship while we have the fire tunnel coming through and just come through and just just with a posture of receiving that the Holy Spirit would touch you. Bless you guys.